Amen. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? <clears throat> it's great to be here with you. Let me get situated. Um, I do want to uh, talk about, and not, not today, uh, but a little bit about uh, just bringing some language to what's happening in the world and this war with Israel. And, and uh, people have asked me, is this it? I don't know about you. Is anybody, you know, I mean, the whole Bible is written about Israel, most of it, and and then the promise coming through, and and um, uh, I I don't believe it is, but uh, how many have heard of birth pains, lady? <laughs> you know, and haven't ever had false alarms. I remember my son, you know, with our first child, uh, Zach, soon to be born, and Rhonda had this pain, and and. I was in the car, boom, and I was there, and the nurse was like, no, she's not ready yet. I'm like, can you just keep her for a few more days, you know? <laughs> no, go home. I'm like, go back home? I mean, <clears throat> and so, you know, so I'm not saying I know definitively, but I just, when I look at the nations and the gospel representation and how many still billions of people that don't even have a church in their community that they could go to, how many know? Alexandria is reached. What do you mean? Does it mean everybody's saved? No. How many know you could wake up drunk one morning and stumble into a church, for the most part, hear the gospel? There are countries you can't have that. Millions of people, tens of millions, and the Bible still says that the Great Commission continues on that we are to go into all the world. How many know that God desires that all men and women might be saved? That's his heart. That's what we believe and preach and teach here, and that this is desire. And so there are prophetic timetables, and, and uh, there are people that have scriptures memorized, hundreds and hundreds of them, and, and um, have predicted, and were wrong and missed it. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, I don't want to do a deep dive, but just maybe bring some language to some stuff here, and Lord willing, uh, if not next week, the week after, but maybe next week. And so anyhow, with that, um, I want to just, uh, there was an announcement. I want to thank those who uh, have sponsored a table at the Marine Corps Banquet. Thank you. Uh, and some have asked, can we just give a little bit towards it? We're not able to attend. Absolutely. Your blessing, the Marine Detachment and the Navy Corpsman, uh, this is the eighth year of our banquet, and it's always a, a great time. Harvest sponsors some tables, so if you would like to attend, it's not this strong arm. We're trying to raise, you know, extract funds from you. It's none of that. It's not a fundraiser. It is a banquet honoring the Marine Corps birthday, November 10th. And so, uh, but if you'd like to just be a part of that, the church does sponsor tables that you can be there and just be a part of that and enjoy. It's a great meal at the VFW and and we have, a, we have a program. So uh, thank you with all that. And with that, let me just take a moment and pray. Lord, I do humble myself before you. And I do recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you come upon me and speak through me. Give your heart to your people here this morning. Lord, many of them carrying burdens and weights and, 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 and concerns. And Lord, I pray that even in this moment, what is spoken would bring release, would bring freedom, would bring healing. 
that there'd be clarity in people's minds, that they would say when they leave, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. So this is the fifth week. I didn't know we'd go this far, but just kind of continued adding as you you dig deeper. And uh, But I want to talk about making room for his presence and uh, this may be a standalone, or maybe it's a part two, I, I, I don't know, and, but uh, we've been talking about stewarding the move of God, and uh, what that means, it means to actly, excuse me, actively direct the affairs, uh, to manage, to administer, to carry on. Can we just say that, say carry on? You know, the Lord wants us to carry on the kingdom of God in and through our life and family and churches. Do you know that? And, and, and I said this before, that we're not responsible for what happened 250 years ago. But we are in our lifetime and in and, and, and future generations that, that we have a role to play. 1 Peter 4.10 says that uh, as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employed in serving one another as is appropriate for, God, for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. And so we are to steward, we are to be good stewards of what God has given us in our generation, in our time. The Bible says David served the purposes of God in his generation, and he went and fell asleep. He went home. He, he completed his task. And I believe all of you want to hear when we die, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Most of you. Okay. Well, and so the Bible says that we are God's ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5, and we talked about ambassador means to to steward God's house and his presence, and uh, I believe here specifically the Lord has placed you in this church body. It means to protect, to guard his presence, and and, you know, a large part is that in how we dialogue and speak with one another. Amen? Amen. So when we leave church, we don't go, oh, wow, man, pastor, man, he was just way off on Pluto. I may have been, but to, come on, but to steward the move of God and say, you know what? It was good to be in the house of God. Do you know I got to talk to so-and-so? We got to pray for so-and-so. And we're, we're protecting the house of God. Thank you. And we said this, that every church, according to the Bible, is supposed to be a dwelling place for God's presence, a dwelling place. One of the verses we talked about was in Ephesians 2.22. It says, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You know, this even goes back to the beginning in Genesis. When God created man and woman, what did he do? He wasn't afar off. Every day it said he would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. What does that tell you? God desires to dwell. In us, in our life, in our churches, in our families, and in commune with us. Ephesians from the Amplified 2.22 says, In him we have fellowship with one another and are also being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. Another translation says, You are part of that building Christ has built as a place for God's own Spirit to live. And so, so we know when we come to Christ and we're born again, the Spirit of God lives and dwells within you. You become a temple of the Holy Spirit, amen? But when we come together corporately, there's a corporate presence and anointing that that God comes and he speaks and he does something in our hearts and 
that only can happen in that setting. That's why he, he said that we are to not forsake the assembly of the gathering. Amen? Hebrews talks about that. So very quickly, last week we talked about how uh, God desires to dwell with his people. I won't spend a lot of time on that, but uh, we talked about how the uh, Ark of God was stolen, and we talked a little bit about the Middle East and, and uh, how it was supernaturally returned back to <clears throat> the children of Israel and uh, uh, how I said this, that God cannot be stopped from fulfilling his good purpose. And, and what was his good purpose? His good purpose is to dwell among his people. Can you say amen? That is his desire. You know, <clears throat> I think about, because I looked up that word that the cows were uh, mooing, these two female cows that the Philistines put, uh, attached the ark to to bring it, you know, to go back to their calves or to go to Israel, and it went to, to Israel, but it said that they were, they were mooing all the way. And, you know, they've actually studied cows, the sounds that they make. Now, you farmers, you could correct me on this, and maybe you know, oh, I do with cows all the time. But there's a low-pitch moo when the calf is close, but then there's a high-pitch moo when the calf is away. And that's what they were doing because their calves were away and they were heading to Israel. And I thought, you know, isn't it like us at times when we go through difficult situations? It's a loud moo, you know? It's distress. We make loud sounds. Am I speaking to anybody? And, 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 but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, if we trust him, will still lead us to where we need to go. We may be balking all the way, crying all the way, Lord, what's going on? But he's, if we just stay steady and circumspect with him, can I get an amen? We'll get to where we need to get, even though we may not like it at times. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Exodus 29, 45, God says, I will dwell among them. He, God desires to dwell among his people, that I might dwell among them. And so today I just want to, uh, this morning, briefly touch on uh, another illustration in the Old Testament that's, that spoke to me about making room for his presence. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, and it's the story of the Shunammite woman. It's a very interesting story. 2 Kings 4, verses 8 to 37. A little background here. Elisha was a prophet in Israel during the 9th century B.C., and he was a man of God. He was God's man uh, that God spoke through. He was a prophet to the northern uh, kingdom in Israel, and, and he would travel from town to town doing the Lord's work, and uh, <clears throat> he had to rely upon the Lord to take care of him, to feed him, and uh, 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 to, to provide for him, and uh, for somebody to show him hospitality. And so this chapter begins with Elisha uh, traveling to a small town, it was a small town called Shunem. And so I want to talk briefly about this woman uh, that was from this town, that she received this blessing of God, uh, and, and, and she relied upon uh, the Lord to direct her. And uh, she actually heard from the Lord, and God blessed her life, and how her life was blessed uh, as she interacted with and through the prophet of God, and how our lives can be blessed today, and how uh, this church can be blessed in a greater capacity, which I desire, through the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? And so Elijah, once again, he worked in the northern kingdom, and, 
and uh, where the children of Israel, many of them were just far away from the Lord. And um, I will say this, Elisha represents the move of God in our life. The Bible says in the Old Testament, these things are written for our example. And so he represents the move of God, or I could say he represents the presence of God that, that passes us by daily in our lives. I want you to see that. It's kind of a picture. That's where I'm going with this. You know, there's times in the scripture that it talks about Jesus was walking, and it says this, and he would have passed by. And you think about that, and sometimes you think, what's up with that? I mean, blind Bartimaeus is crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He just keeps walking. And it says it was like he would have passed by, and he kept crying out. Then they tried to silence him, like, leave him alone, be quiet, you know, and, and Jesus stops. There's another time where Jesus comes to the disciple, and the disciples, and he's walking on water, a miracle, <clears throat> something supernatural. And it says this in actually Mark 6, because there's two other gospels that talk about it. He said he meant to pass by them. So they're in the storm. Watch this. They're losing their minds. They're, you know, frightened unto death. And it says he walks by and he meant to just pass by them. Some of you feel like that right now today. Where are you, God? Can't you see we're sinking? Do you not know what's going on? Am I speaking to anybody? And, and, and But that's actually not what it means. I looked it up, and it actually, it doesn't mean that he's trying to hide from us. Now watch this, watch this. But it means that he walks by to reveal himself, to summon us to faith. So he, he walks by, not that he goes like, I'm here. What are you going to do? How are you, how you going to respond? Oh, God, please help. We're going down. He responds to faith. We're summoned by faith. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, so if you look closely, <clears throat> you can often see God coming from the distance. But here's the thing. As the people of God, we need to be watching and expecting him and when he passes us by in the moment. Can you say Amen. When he, if I could say it this way, he reveals himself in a greater capacity. And that is what God desires to do. And let me tell you something. I'm just to declare this, not just prophetically, but I know that God has many, 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 many manifestations, greater manifestations of his presence in our midst to come. Not the past. We can rejoice in the past, but thank God for the past. But today is today. And we need him today more than ever. Amen? Psalm 5.3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. Watch this. Proverbs 8.34, Blessed are those who listen to me, the Lord, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. That means there's a wakefulness. I just looked it up. I was like, what do you mean by doors? We hear this illustration. Actually, it's a picture, an image that the Levites would guard the temple doors and they would be there anticipating or the teacher would come to speak or in the, in the synagogue and they would open the doors with excitement and, and the students would come in ready to learn a lesson. They were excited. I love that. Who listened to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. James 4, 8 says, come near, draw near to God and he will come near to you. Well, you know what? I tried that one time, and I prayed that, and God didn't show up or whatever. Where is he? I asked him for whatever. 2,000 years ago, God 
split the heavens and came in flesh, died on the cross, he moved towards us. So if he's like, what has God done? You just look to the cross. Look to the cross, what he's done. He reached out and he said, I provided it. But we are to draw near to him. Can I get an amen? And so I believe this. I believe that we should always come to church, the house of God, with an expectancy to see him move. <laughs> amen? To worship him, to love him, to give to him, to receive from him. I mean, why else would we come to church? Just to hang out? <laughs> Let's see, who's the new friends we can find today? That's good. Relationships need to happen, amen? And I love it, and, and, and God loves that, and he wants it. That's the body, that's the church, that's the house of God, amen? But, but that's not the sole reason we come. We come to worship him. So back to our story. Uh, so what was it about this woman that caused her to receive such a great blessing, and we'll get into the moment from God, and even though she lived at a very godless time, um, Bible says she wasn't really anything special. In fact, we don't even know her name. Her name is not even recorded. She's, so if, if it would be like saying, oh, yeah, that's that woman from Alexandria, Minnesota. Or who'd you meet? Oh, that's that woman from Glenwood <laughs> or Brandon. Their name is not even in here. So it's like, okay. And so what was it about a life that caused God to intervene in such a great way? Well, the Scripture calls her a great woman. I find that interesting. And great implies her wealth. But in other writings, the same Hebrew word refers to rabbinic scholars noted for their Torah learning and their learning rulings. In other words, she probably possessed some wealth, but she also was a very wise woman. She understood the scriptures. She understood the teaching. She, she understood the Torah. She just, and, and that was a time back then, women were disdained, in Judaism, it came from it came actually from the Greeks and the Romans, and, and they were disdained, and, and women could not have an education. And this woman was a, a very great woman, the Bible says, a great woman. And so maybe the author, uh, Jeremiah, he intended both meetings. The point is, if it's God was able to empower the life of a nameless woman living in such a time, then surely, how many know he can touch our lives too today? He can touch our lives too. And so, so the Shunammite woman lived in an unknown town. And I was thinking about that, an unknown town. And the only way anyone would ever be able to get to this town, Shun, Shunam, is you'd have to actually be traveling from one place to another. So in other words, it's the middle of nowhere. And then I thought about Alexandria. <laughs> we actually heard Rex say, ah, we're in the middle of nowhere. And we've had other preachers, when I picked them up, some national speakers is like, man, this is the middle of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, it's the middle of nowhere. But God is here. Amen? And so it'd be, it'd be like, you know, you're traveling from Minneapolis, and you head into Fargo, and then, you, you, you know, he's like, I got to get some gas, or I may have to get some coffee, whatever. Let's stop in Alexandria. That's what it was like. So pull off and exit 103, and uh, actually, actually, this actually happened. I, 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 can, I think I can share this. And there was a, actually this summer, there was a homeless veteran that I came into the office, was sleeping out in the back of the church. And uh, I paused and went, yeah, there's someone really there. <laughs> yeah. And I opened the back door and, and I said, you all right, buddy? And he's like, yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, can I have some water? We got him some water. And I said, you know, where are you? You could tell he's been living outside on his own for a long time 
time. I said, where'd you come from? He said, well, state of Virginia. I said, how did you get here? <laughs> you know, he said, well, most of it was thumbing, but I walked from Minneapolis to here. And his boots, uh, his, he was in the military, and he was over in Iraq and Afghanistan, and his boots were wrapped with duct tape. Asked if he had any ID or anything. He said, you know, I don't have anything. And, and I said, okay, okay. I said, what do you need? What do you need? He said, you think maybe I could get to Fargo? And is there any, like, is there anything livable in Fargo? Like, he, he's thinking it's barren. There's nothing. Like, it's, you know, oh, I said, there's food in Fargo. I said, but I'll feed you now. <laughs> and, and I said, you know what? I could, I could get you, a, let's, let's, let's do some checking. Let's see if we can't get a, 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 a ticket, a bus ticket or something. And I was starting to scramble and things are not coming up. And then all of a sudden, hey, call Greyhound, call Greyhound. An hour later at the pilot, they pick up people and go directly to Fargo. And so it was 50, 60 bucks. They said, listen, if I get this ticket for you, are you going to get on the bus? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go. I got him Subway. You know, he grew up, he shared a little bit of his story. I said, listen, you don't need the gospel pounded on you because you heard the message. You need to see Christ that he loves you and cares about you. And I said, can I pray with you? And I prayed with them. I actually got a picture of him, saved it on my computer. And prayed with them, sent them out. And I said, never forget this. In the middle of nowhere, God extended grace to your life. Got on that bus and he left. Amen? So, you know what? That's kind of what, you know, Elijah was doing. He was just kind of walking, you know, and he going from, from one place to another. And from Mount Carmel to Shunem is about 25 miles east. But it's uh, almost uh, 100 miles uh, from where he was trying to go. Well, excuse me, about 60 miles from Mount Carmel to Samaria. So about 25 miles in is this little town. And um, so she would be watchful, and she would see Elijah walk past her home. And she noticed, that's a man of God. Just seeing some guy walk by, she knew. And she sensed the presence of God on this man walking by. Amazing. And so she was a well-to-do lady, and so with all of her wealth, watch this, her influence, her prosperity, she was impressed by this guy walking by that carried the presence of God. Because how many of you know all of the wealth, all the houses, all the boats, come on, all the, all the toys does not satisfy. <laughs> it's the presence of God is what we need. That's what matters, okay? We can buy these things and we feel for a fleeting moment till the payment comes, come on somebody, but we buy these things and think, oh, this is fun, it'll set up. No, it's nice to have these things and luxuries. There's nothing wrong with those, but we don't want them to have us, amen? So she would walk, uh, excuse me, he would walk past her home and, and um, <clears throat> She convinced her husband. She says she talked to her husband. He's like, hey, we need to invite this guy in. We need to invite him in and for a meal in our house. And so, so there's a, quickly a few things, just two, actually, I want to pick out about her. And then I believe that we should emulate if we're to encounter God's power as she did in her life. Number one, she wanted to make the man of God welcome. She wanted to create an atmosphere where the presence of that man, God, was welcome. Here's the thing. The problem was that the Shunammite woman was never quite sure when the man of God, Elisha, would be coming by. So she had to what? She had to watch. Somebody shout watch. She had to watch for him. Is he coming today, tomorrow, next week? I don't know. 
every two months, but she was always watching. Watch that. And so the question today is, what are you watching? What are you watching for? When you wake up Monday morning, what's the main thing on your mind? Got awfully quiet in this full gospel church here. That's where you go, preach, Pastor Mike. All right. <laughs> but it's a, it's, a, it's a convicting word for myself, too. For myself, too. It's like, what are, we, what are we looking out for? And from the start, it's obvious that this woman, she had a hunger for God, right? There was a hunger. And she was able to, in, in a time that was just wickedness was prevalent. She had a hunger for God. And she was able to recognize God's man when he entered the town. And, and so she invited him in her house. And uh, here's the thing. She just didn't invite the man in. She urged him into her house. She was, she was desperate to be of service to the man of God. Interesting. Desperate to be of service to the man of God. So he obliged and he came for a meal. In fact, uh, she looked after him so well that every time he was in town, he would stop by, the Bible says. And then the questions I pose is, do we really want the presence of God in our midst? You know, there was a time in the children of Israel after Moses came down, and the Bible said that the mountain erupted, and it was a dark, thick cloud, and the children of Israel said, man, Moses, or pastor, you go pray, you go deal with the things of God, and we'll just come to church and sit and leave. No, God wants to dwell in our hearts greatly in each and every one of us. Are you still here this morning? Almost done. <clears throat> and so she urged him in. Do we really want to encounter God? Do we really want to be empowered and really filled with the Holy Spirit? It's like, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about, though, and being constantly filled. There's not just a single filling. There are constant fillings that the Lord has for us in our life, and we need that more than ever today. Do we really seek the Lord? You know, the closer I have gotten to God in my life, the more I realize how little I know of him. I mean that. With all humility, I walk around going, I know nothing. Really. And then the moment when we split heaven, Lord willing, we'll really see how little we knew. Almighty God, how much I need him in my life, in my family, in this church, in this community, in America. In our government, come on, somebody, in the world, in the Middle East, we need God. Watch this. So here's just another challenge. It speaks to me too, so I'm speaking to me. If God does come, is he going to find it a place somewhere worth coming back to? Think about that. In other words, are we willing to make our hearts somewhere that the Holy Spirit wants to return to again and again? Ouch. Hmm. I want you to just think about this. If this, if this woman's house had been filthy, full of vermin, the chances are Elisha would never have wanted to return, right? The woman made her home welcoming. She fed the man of God well. I guarantee you that that was a good meal. He knew it. It's like, I'm going to go stop and shoot him in this town because, whoo, I know what she made. She made some tacos last time. I'm telling you what. I know it was a little strong on the jalapenos, but whoo. He knew that she did it with all her might. And she put out her best. Because why? She was welcoming the presence of God. 
Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. And so worth coming back to. Is it something that the Holy Spirit wants to return to? And, and so she made her home welcoming. And, uh, and so, so here's the thing. If we're to be a resting place for the Holy Spirit, and I, I just like that term, a resting place for the Holy Spirit, we need to earnestly be seeking that visitation. And we must make sure our hearts are welcoming to the Spirit. The Scripture says in Isaiah 66, 1 to 2, it says, as God says, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Did you know that? Uh, you know what a footstool is? It's a little tiny step. That's earth. So God's feet just could hide the whole planet. <laughs> That's how awesome God he is. This little blue dot off an Orion belt, you know, middle of nowhere. God said, the earth is my footstool. Wow, we serve a mighty God. He says this, where is the house that you will build for me? You know, we talked about buildings and construction and all, and, 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 and we see where we're at here today because of God's faithfulness and your faithfulness to the call of God to do that. But he's talking about building him a house, and where is the place of my rest? That word rest in the Hebrew doesn't mean I'm tired and I'm exhausted, I have to go to sleep. No, 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 no. It actually means that a place where there's tranquil quietness, where the brothers and sisters dwell together in unity where there's like Aaron's beard that flow down, that there's unity, it's quiet, it's rest, that the chaos is going on. Soon as you leave here, the app will start throwing you notifications. This crisis, that, this was blown up, so-and-so was stabbed, that happened. But this is the place where quietness and rest dwells over your life. Amen? God is looking for a habitation, not a place of visitation. Visitation is come and we got to go. He's looking for a place he can inhabit. I really believe that because we dedicated this building, and I know it's just a building. You are the house of God. I get that. But there is something very unique and special. We, we left our last building, and we were in there for 16 years, and we, the presence of God was there. And all of the things that we experienced, the weddings, the funerals, and the baby dedications, and all of the celebrations, and all of the ministry, and the souls that were saved, and lives that were touched, people that are in heaven today, the funerals that, that we did, that got saved in that building, and, and then we dedicated this building, and the presence of God is here. The presence of God is here. But he can increase. He doesn't want to be just present among us. He desires to rest in us. Amen? And then number two, very quickly, we are to make room for God's presence. When Elisha had been coming regularly by this woman, uh, she approached her husband and she proposed, hey, let's make a room for this guy. I mean, can we build something? Can we add on the house a little bit and renovate? I, I know it's going to cost us something, but boy, it would really be nice just to not feed this guy with his servant but he could stay the night. Because if we could get around the presence and we could sit at the dinner table, maybe we can learn a little bit more about God's presence. Are you here this morning? And so how many know to renovate a room takes a lot? It takes foresight. You don't rip it apart and go, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah, I've done some of those projects. And this last remodel house, I mean, we started pulling things out and I went, nope, this tile comes up. Wait a minute, what's below the tile? Man, that wood, those floorboards are a disaster. We stripped that house down bare to almost nothing. 
Literally, you walk up in the attic, oh, there's new wood up here. We did everything. Ripped out the old, put in the new. We know, we know what it's like. I'll never do a remodel again. <laughs> but that house is done right. <laughs> that house is done all the way through. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, when we make welcome the presence of God in our lives, and, and you've done that here at Harvest. You really have as a church body. And you made, there are sacrifices that have been made. You've served, and you continue to pray. There's been fasting that has gone up. There's been sacrificial giving through the years, and you've made the Holy Spirit welcome here in this place, and God is pleased. Did you hear that? The Lord is pleased with that. But how many know that's just part of the purpose? It's just part of it. God has so much more. He wants to, he wants to rest in us and dwell in us. To where people, I'm believing, when they walk in this place, they go, I don't know what it is, but there's something about this place. There's something about this place. They may not know the Lord, but boy, God is here in this place. That is my heart, my desire, and I believe it's yours too. And so the Holy Spirit, I believe, has so much for, more for us. He has so much more for your, for your family, for your children. Think about your children and your teenagers, your marriage. And I just wrote this down. There are unfulfilled miracles, deliverances, salvations, callings, and gifts that are destined to happen in this place. You just don't know what Sunday is going to happen. <laughs> you just don't know. I just I would love it when I'd be at certain meetings or whatever, or, you know, a lot of times we're just like, oh, I don't know, should I go? Boy, the sun is nice. Boy, the lake looks really good. Come on, somebody. Of course, I'm a pastor, so I got to go. So, you know, but you, you know what I'm saying? And, and then you miss the meeting, and they go, oh, you missed it. What happened? You know, you miss that moment. That's gone. <laughs> God has more, but you miss that moment. And people's lives are touched. You know, I, I share this, that there was a gentleman that uh, years ago in the old building that started coming to the church, and we, my wife and I, we just kind of reached out through her mom and say, hey, they're going through some things. He's, he's got a terminal disease, and, and they, they need their yard lawn mowed. The weeds were like up to here. And so I knew this guy, and big burly guy, but he, 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 had, he was dying. He was literally, this disease was taken over. And so we went in with the kids, and we start, you know, when you mow that high, you got to go, because you just can't get, come on, unless some of you guys got those big hog things that just ride over it. We didn't have that. It took us like two days or three days, to, and finally he came out of the house, and he stumbled. And, and, and he's like, I feel risen from the dead, you know, because he was just, it hadn't come out in the lawn. I, and, and, and he started coming to the church. Then we didn't see him. But there was no pressure. We didn't do that to get him. Come on, somebody. But we did it to be an example of Christ. And after a while, six months later, he started coming. And he just came, and, and uh, it just was like, okay, it was hit and miss. And then I, I preached one of those messages. It was a bomb. It was a bomb. <laughs> Rhonda's shaking her head. Yeah, it was. And I knew it. I was like, oh, God. You know, I was like, this, I'm, I'm done, you know. And I started to walk off the stage to the right, and here he comes up. He was sitting right over there. And he comes up, and he was shaking. And he's like, I said, are you all right? And, and he said, I, 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 I've always asked the Christ child, he said, I'll never forget it, if he was real. 
could tell a little bit from his background and denomination. I've always asked the Christ child be real, and today he said he was. I mean, you got born again. His whole life changed from that moment. Started reading the Bible, coming to church every single week. Come on, someone say the presence of God. And, and when, when we are weak, he is strong. And I'm weak, but he is strong. And he got saved right there in that moment. A year and a half later, I did his funeral. He's with the Lord. He's with the Lord. Somebody say amen. Stand with me if you would, please. Very quickly, what does this woman do? What does this woman do? She expands her house. She invests. She builds a little room. And she ensured that it was fitted with everything that he needed. She was a very observant woman. She didn't just throw an air mattress in there, you know, with an iPod dock so you can charge his iPhone. No. She, she fitted the room. He needs a candle. He needs a table. He needs a chair. He needs a bed. He de- there are certain things that he needs, and she was attentive to all of that. And, and uh, what happened was is that he started to come, and the Bible says uh, in 2 Kings 4.10 that they make a small upper room for them. And I thought this lady was the original VRBO woman. She, she had it going back then. I mean, she knew exactly what he needed. And he enjoyed it. He's like, I'm going to stop here with Gehazi, his servant. And he's like, this is a place I'm going to come. And why? And I think about it. She built, she set out to build a room for the man of God. Took time. Took money. It took effort. But here's the key point. The woman's desire to have the power of God dwelling in her house meant that all of that was worth it. It was all worth it to her. Because you see, we find out, get into it next week, Lord willing, but she didn't have a son. She was barren. She didn't ask for something. She didn't ask for anything. She just did it because she loved the presence. And the man of God said, what do you want? See, God is always the giver. You make room for the presence, there are always miracles that will happen in your life. There always will be miracles in your life because God is a giver. He looked around and went, Gehazi, what does this woman need? He's like, we don't know. She doesn't want anything. She hasn't asked for anything. You know, some people do stuff and they go like, well, by the way, if you could, none of that. I just love the presence. I love the presence. Every head bowed here this morning. She was stretched. She was stretched. She allowed herself to be stretched. Sometimes it's a painful process. But she was stretched. Sometimes we're stretched financially. Sometimes, though, it's not always that. It's relationally. Sometimes we go through seasons that we are spiritually and emotionally stretched. Many people are. That's okay. God wants us to expand. Take in everything that he has for us. God can stretch us in many ways. He's a household pastor. Maybe he wants you to get up a little bit earlier in the morning and pray, read his word. Maybe he has a place that you've been avoiding or maybe there's some work that you've put off that he wants you to to resurrect. Maybe he wants you to share the gospel to that person that you think doesn't really want to hear it. Maybe he wants you to step out stretched. She was stretched. God is stretching us. Here's the thing. Unless we allow ourselves to be stretched for God, then he has nowhere to enter and to dwell with his power. 
with every head bowed here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I need to be stretched this morning. I'm not right with the Lord. I need to get right with God. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're not right with the Lord or you're backslidden away from God and the things of God. This is a great day. We are thrilled that you're here. But more importantly, God is so thrilled that you're here. Because you have an opportunity to receive, to receive of him salvation, forgiveness, and cleansing. And if that's you, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to the Lord and follow him and his plan for me. I'm going to ask us to pray in unison. Let's pray together. Say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I repent. I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Save me. I give you my life. Now take it. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.